All right, welcome to another episode of Kiwi Skin Stories where neighbors meet neighbors. Today we're doing a special show on the mayor candidates. Today we have Fausto Gomez. He started working for Maurice Ferre, former mayor of the city of Miami at 18. Then he worked for FIU where he helped build the school, the university, opened his own firm where he lobbied in Tallahassee for 38 years for many people, including the village of Kiwi Skin. And he has owned property in the key for 21 years. So, Fasto, welcome to joining us on the show. Thank you for taking the time and sharing your story. Thank you, Alejandro. Thank you so much for the invitation. I look forward to this, and I look forward to introducing myself to my neighbors on Key Biscayne through this, through this podcast as well as other means. So thanks for the invite. Awesome. Awesome. So let's dive right in to get to know you. I have a set of questions, which normally normally I don't do is more conversational, but in this case, we want to we wanna dive a little deeper to get to know you. So, sure. so let's dive right in. And the first question I have for you is, what is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? Well, Alejandro, you know, that's actually a, a tough question. Uh, so there, there are two or three things that I sort of pattern myself at. One is fate rewards the bull. And I was the first Hispanic to go to Tallahassee in 1980 to serve and work in state government's lobbies. So I had never been in Tallahassee before. So that is certainly bold. And I will tell you that fate rewarded me. The second one I, I sort of pattern is, you cannot change the cards that you are dealt, just how you play the hand. Mm -hmm. And also, and the third thing, which is I think the most important thing, to those who much is given, much is expected. And I'll, I've patterned my life, frankly, on that third statement. Uh, my wife and I have donated an endowed scholarship at FIU for needing students in political science. We, I have personally, along with my wife, donated sums to uh, programs for the development of the disabled. And I, uh, during my lobbying career, I lobbied for development of disabled programs and children because that is a cause that is extremely dear to my heart. So I think for those that much is given, much is expected. I like these. These are good. What was your first impression of Tallahassee? I got there in 1980. I remember flying in, in uh, late at night, going to a hotel. I'd never been there small, it was a very small place at that time, very insular, extremely insular. Uh, and I said, well, this is what I've decided to do. This is what I have been retained to do. And I did it. And frankly, it was a challenge at first. There was no Gomez's, Perez's, Sanchez there. Um, it was tough at the beginning, but you know, after a year, after a year and a half, I was part of the furniture. I was completely accepted. And I was extremely successful in representing interests in Tallahassee. And when I'm saying representing interest, I'm talking everything from Florida Power and Light to Goodwill Industries. And everything from the Florida Bar to the South Florida Hospital Association. So my practice was very broad. And with all due respect and humility aside, I believe it was very successful. Awesome. So I have. My next question I have, how did you end up living in the Key? That's actually a very <laughs> funny question. 
So I will tell you, the responsible person for me living in Kibiskane is my wife. And, and um, yeah. I would travel every week to Tallahassee, you know, would leave either Sunday night or Monday sometime in the morning, come back Thursday. Lived in Coral Gables. So 21 years ago, I get off an airplane. She's picking me up at the airport. I found that a little bit odd. Um, then she says, oh, I know how much you like to go grab a bite to eat or something. So let's go have dinner. So we went. And then she says in the middle of dinner, oh, I just want you to know, I bought her an apartment on Cuba's game. Oh. <laughs> Obviously, that was a surprise. Uh, and that was a, that was a Thursday night. So Friday, we came to see the apartment. It was at the Ocean Club pre-construction. Uh, we liked the apartment. And she was, and we upgraded the apartment from what she purchased to, to another unit. And we've been here ever since. We enjoy Key Biscayne tremendously. Um, it is a wonderful community. It is truly everybody's paradise. And so how did I get here? I didn't know I was coming here. My wife bought an apartment while I was away on a business trip. Well, it sounds like, a, like it turned out very well. <laughs> it turned out extremely well. Both the apartment and the marriage. And we've been married for a very, very long time. We have two great daughters and four grandkids for the light of my life. Talking about that. Talking about that. What are the most important things in your life today? My family. Absolutely. The most important thing in my life is obviously the love, support, and bonds that we have as a family. I have two wonderful daughters, four amazing grandkids, amazing. And obviously the love of my wife, and we've been together 40 some odd years, um, that is the most important thing. And I try to pattern my life as to, to do good and what would make them proud. Are your grandkids local or do you get to spend time with them? No, they're, everybody lives in New York. So my two daughters live in New York and my four grandkids live in New York. One of my daughters has four kids um, and the other one teaches at, does not have any children, but she teaches food science at NYU, New York University. Uh, one lives in Tribeca, the other lives in Brooklyn, in what's essentially called Brooklyn Heights. Uh, we travel to New York often to see the kids. Um, and they come down here and they spend Christmas on Kibiskane. They spend part of the summers on Kibiskane. And it really is a wonderful family life, I must say. That's good. So it's good to have the family gather multiple uh, times a year. It, it is. Yeah, we gather as, as often as possible. Wonderful. So we're running for mayor. What is the yeah. inspiration to run for mayor? Listen, I have. I have the skills, the knowledge, the time, the resources to effectuate positive change. And what propelled me to run for mayor? The privatization of the Rickenbacker conflict, hmm. which during my lobbying career, I represented a significant part of my portfolio was transportation related. I know transportation. I know traffic. I know how to solve those issues because I spent my career doing that. 
I came in for, I went in front of council to express my concerns about the privatization of the Rickenbacker Causeway. Uh, I obviously had three minutes to speak. I was cut off at the end of three minutes, which is the right thing to do because every citizen of People's Game has three minutes, which I thought was the, that issue was the most existential threat to the lives of our neighbors who live in People's Game. Then I saw the council spent an hour and a half discussing the naming of a park on Kibiskin. And I started to look at that and question where their priorities were. If we have three minutes to discuss a significant issue, an existential issue, and then an hour and a half to discuss the naming of the park, priorities were not aligned with the needs of the residents. Hmm. So moving on to that, then I started to get a little bit more involved and look at what was happening on Key Biscayne. And let me tell you, Key Biscayne is a wonderful community. Okay? I will trust the elected officials in Key Biscayne. I'll put my wallet on a table and trust them with that. I cannot trust their vision or our future. And that's where I'm, where I'm saying. So let's look at, let's look at some issues. We, we have a, we don't have a resource problem, we have a budget problem. And why do I say that? Essentially, our public services, we have a $36 million budget, and our public services take up approximately a significant amount of that, around 70%. So my question is, how do we spend the rest of those dollars? And can we spend them much more effectively? to provide services to the residents of people's camp. That's, that's number one. Number two, I looked at our police and fire departments, which are great. I am a big, big fan of police and fire. I'm a supporter of police and fire. But with all the respect to our police department, and I've spoken this to the chief, I don't think there's enough visibility of our police on the streets of people's camp. We currently have 38 sworn officers. I understand that they're basically believe that you should have 40 sworn officers. But why don't we look at programs in other communities at zero cost to keep the skein so we can have more officers on the street? Let me tell you, City of Coral Gables, Miami-Dade County, Boca Raton, Clearwater, communities like that, have a program for auxiliary police officers. What that means is if you have a police officer who is retired, or if you have a police officer who has gone to another profession and they are still certified by the state of Florida, certification means you carry a badge and you carry a gun. In order to maintain their certification, they have to volunteer four hours or six hours a week. So other communities have programs of this nature at zero cost to the taxpayers of those communities. Now, we should have a program like that. We should have those officers in golf carts around the community. So increase the visibility of our public safety. I'm also looking at our traffic problem. We have a traffic problem on people's game. And nobody sort of, you know, has wanted to really 
delve into what the issues are. Is the issue that we have too many cars? Absolutely. So what is the solution to that? Do we have appropriate infrastructure to handle those, that number of cars? No. That is why when I was in Tallahassee lobbying, I had on behalf of Key Biscayne, the village of Key Biscayne, we passed an amendment that says that the state of Florida can fund a local road leading in and out of the state park. This is very important. State of Florida has the transportation trust fund, which are billions and billions of dollars. The state of Florida legally could not have funded or provided any support to Crandon or to the Rickenback. But we passed an amendment, I crafted it and I passed it, basically saying that if there's only one way in and out of the state park, and that is on a local road, then the state of Florida is allowed to fund those local roads. I modeled it after state prisons because I was looking at statute and I saw that if there's only one way in and out of a state prison in North Florida, and it was a local road, the state of Florida would fund that local road in and out of a state prison. Okay. So I crafted that to model it based on our state park. Okay. As a matter of fact, Part of the transportation solution is not only in Key Biscayne, is not only in Miami-Dade County, it's not only in the city of Miami, which are the partners on the Rickenback, but it is in Tallahassee with the state of Florida Department of Transportation. And I have arranged a meeting based on my knowledge and my contacts with senior officials of the department to discuss what are our traffic solutions for Key Biscayne and how can we meld sort of the issue on the Rickenbacker with bicyclists, pedestrians, automobiles, as well as coming into Cranston and what are some of the solutions? So that meeting is at the end of the month. And remember, the Rickenbacker and Cranston have a state road designation as well. They're a local road with a state road designation. And finally, one of the things that concern me the most is respect. And what do I mean by respect? Key Biscayne should be pristine, pristine. And we walk around our streets and we see issues that should be addressed by the village. And the residents of Key Biscayne should be able to pick up the phone and talk to their mayor, talk to their council, and talk to the officials of Key Biscayne. And right now, if you're not a friend, if you're not part of a group, you call our elected officials. And if you get a call back, you'd be very, you know, you're very lucky, you won a prize. If I have the fortune to be elected mayor by my neighbors, I pledge to you a couple of things. I will be the most accessible elected official you've ever seen. I will have office hours at City Hall. You can come in and see me anytime on any issue to discuss anything. And I'm gonna initiate something called a street by street program. I'll tell you, street by street program was not my idea. Um, I'm basically looking at what some other communities have done a street-by-street -street program, and we're small enough to do it, 
is that the mayor walks street by street with the staff of the village and points out what are the deficiencies that we have in our community and how are we going to address them? The timeline, the identification, the report of how they're going to be addressed, the timeline of how they're going to be addressed, and what are the resources necessary to address them. I think as key sustainers, we should expect no less from our elected officials that they're gonna be walking street by street, taking a look at our problems, being accessible to everybody. You know, there's this program on Netflix that I love, and it says either we all count or nobody counts. And that's my philosophy. I like it. We all count or nobody counts. I like it. So we have we have some commitments. I like it. Access, accessibility, including those office hours, so people can reach out to you and speak to you in many matters. On any item, at, on any item, you come in, and you sit, and the mayor is in. I like it, and the street by street program. I like that. I like that. It seems pretty cool. Listen, Alejandro, we're small enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're one point four square miles. We are small enough to be able to have our elected officials walk the streets to take a look at what the issues are. You know, you see every council meeting, neighbors come up and say, I have a problem in this street or I have a problem in that street. And let me tell you what I'm talking about respect. Okay? I remember being at a council meeting and one of our neighbors stood up on an issue about curbing. And our neighbor took her three minutes and she spoke at six o'clock right at the beginning of the meeting. Do you know at what time the council took up her issue, 11 o'clock at night. She sat there for five hours. Got it. While they were handling other issues. That is a lack of respect to the residents of Kibisman. And if I have the, the fortune to be elected mayor, we will respect the citizens of Kibisman. Got it. So if elected, you know, I know you've mentioned some of the things that you that inspired you, of course, and we have some commitments. But if elected, what are the first three things you would do when you take office? If elected, the first three things I will do, number one, is I will start the program that the mayor is in, and I will post it, my office hours, and you can come in and, and sit with me, and I'll be sitting at City Hall for citizens to come in and talk. And we'll take care of those issues that they have. Number two, I will begin the street by street program. Okay. And number three, I will craft solutions to our traffic problem. Wonderful. Um, you, I know you mentioned time at the beginning of the podcast. How much time do you plan to dedicate to the position of the I'll mayor? Full time mayor. Full time mayor. I will be a full time mayor. Listen, I'm fortunate enough that I was able to sell my company three years ago. You know, what's funny is those that do not wish me well, and let's put it that way, sort of are going around the community saying, oh, he had to leave the lobbying profession. And my response is, absolutely, I had to leave it. After 38 years, I had an offer to to buy my company for seven figures. And let me tell you, if you have an offer for seven figures after 38 years, you have to leave the lobbying profession. You want to make sure you take that opportunity. I feel you. I, I will sell my business for seven figures as well. <laughs> All right. So, so absolutely, I will be a full-time mayor. I will be accessible to my neighbors. And I'll tell you something else, which is very important. I am true to myself. 
I know who I am. I will tell you if I agree with you or if I don't. I'm not going to hide things. I'm not going to tell you one thing on Monday and perhaps do something else on Tuesday. Okay? As they say in the vernacular, what you see is what you get. Okay? And I'll tell you something else. Most people respect that. And most people like that. And I will and if somebody, if I disagree with somebody in a policy issue, no disagreement is personal. There are no personal issues here. You know, I'm willing to listen. I am willing to listen because I've listened all my life being involved in Tallahassee and the mayor's office. I will listen. And you know something? You absolutely, I can be convinced. You know, I'm not infallible. None of us are. We all have our strengths. We all have our weaknesses. But what I pledge to my neighbors is you will always know where I stand. Like it. I like it. Can you share with us some of the things you believe the village of Cubis Kane is doing well? Is doing well. Yeah. Listen, I'm a candidate that doesn't criticize. That's very, very important. I'm a, I'm a candidate that builds upon our successes. It's very easy to become a candidate and start criticizing everything, but it's much more difficult and much more intellectually honest to build upon the strengths that we have and make them better. I think our fire department is top notch. I am a big fan of our fire department. Our response time is great. We have a top notch department, okay? Perhaps it needs a little bit more assistance. Some of our equipment perhaps is a little bit older that needs to be addressed. I've heard from firefighters that perhaps they need a couple of more crews. Okay. I don't know. So our fire department is top notch. And I think. And let me tell you something which a lot of people don't know. Did you know Alejandro and to our to the folks listening to us? that in 2009, Miami-Dade County tried to take away our fire department. I did not. So let me do a side if I can. 2009 was in the, in the midst of the economic crisis, 2007, 8, 9. So, my, so five independent fire departments in Miami-Dade County. Keepestane, Coral Gables, Miami Beach, City of Miami, and City of Hialeah. So Miami-Dade County, ultimately, it, it turned out that it was Miami-Dade County because there was obfuscations who was trying to do it. But essentially, Miami-Dade County at that time basically wanted to make sure that you would take the money from these five communities and integrate the fire department into Miami-Dade County as a ploy to get the resources of these five fire departments. Hmm. I represented at that moment four of those departments. I represented Miami Beach, Coral Gables, Keepus Cane, and I represented the city of Miami. And so therefore, I was concerned about that. I also represented Miami-Dade County, but Miami-Dade County was trying to hide their involvement in it. And I think this is a very important question for you to ask other candidates, because this little fact is not known, okay? Okay. And we had Senator Mike Fasano from Pasco County put an amendment 
into a finance and tax bill that simply said that no county can have more than two unexpiring surtaxes. Because what Miami-Dade County said at that time is, if you want to keep your fire department, you need to pay us tribute. Everyone. Tribute, like a pirate. Mm-hmm. You need to pay one mil of your property taxes to Miami-Dade County for the privilege of you keeping your own fire department. So what we did, myself, Senator Fasano, and a couple of other members from Miami-Dade County was put an amendment into a finance and tax bill that said that no county could have more than two unexpiring surtaxes. Miami-Dade County and Lafayette County were the only two in Florida that had more than two unexpiring surtaxes. So the, so the Hobbesian's choice to the county commission at that time was, are we going to take the surtax away from Jackson Memorial Hospital? Are we going to take the surtax away from the homeless to fund our fire department or not? Obviously, the issue died. Well, thank you. I mean, I certainly didn't know. I mean, now you tell me the story. I remember when you and I first met, you mentioned it to me. But when you first brought it up again, I was like, I don't, I don't remember that. But it was still new, new news to me. So, yeah, I, I have all the doc, I have all the documentation. As a matter of fact, Got so it. If somebody wants to to challenge the veracity of that. I welcome it, and I have all the documentation. Got it. So, you know, if if elected, of course, and and you go through your 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 term or terms, how would you like to be remembered as when you're done? A conciliator, somebody who basically puts the interest of the residents before anything else. A my career has been as a fiscal hawk. So a what? I'm sorry. As a fiscal hawk. Okay. Somebody who will not spend money unwisely, but rather look at our budget to make sure that every last penny is spent correctly, efficiently, effectively, and for a, and has a direct correlation to the benefit of the residents of Deep Spring. And frankly, listen, what worries me a little bit is that there, as I've gone around the community, I've noticed a tremendous division. And frankly, I'm surprised that we have this division. We are the most fortunate people in the world to live on people's feet. The most fortunate. Uh, I got from, I arrived from Cuba when I was six years old. With my mother, my grandfather, and my grandmother. We lived in a very difficult financial circumstances, as most families that came in here in the 1960s and the 1960s were. I went to public schools. I went to Miami High. I went to Kinlock Park Junior High School. I then went to Miami-Dade College and to FIU. If, you, if I would look back now and say that I was fortunate enough through hard work, through smarts, that I could live on Key Biscayne, Florida, in this island paradise, it would be like a dream. I am not in favor of divisions. We have no reason to have divisions. We are one community. And everybody 
should be extremely, we are extremely fortunate to live here. That's another thing that I want to remember. Let's try to bridge the divide. And I know how to do that. I've negotiated, I've negotiated significant policy issues on both sides of the table, whether it's workers' comp on behalf of the Florida Bar Workers' Comp section, where you have entrenched interest on both sides. And I've been able to reach consensus. I am a negotiator with extreme amount of fortitude when it comes to the positions that I believe in. But I know how to negotiate. I know how to get along with people. And I'll tell you something else. There are some times that as a tactic or as a strategy, you have to be tougher. There are other times that you have to smile. And these are all negotiating tactics that I've honed after 38 years of working in Tallahassee. So when it comes to that work, you know, and, and, and negotiating, I'm sure there's a lot of stress, right? Yes. So how do you, how do you de-stress after when, a long when day? When I started in Tallahassee, I had hair. <laughs> yeah, you have a, you're rocking a great beard though. Oh, well, what can I tell you? <laughs> so what, what are some of the ways you like to de-stress? I, um, one of the things I like to do is I walk. I basically walk on the street. I'll walk five to six miles a day. I go to the gym three uh, days a week to lift weights. Um, I sit in my terrace and sort of put some music on, enjoy the weather. Um, we are fortunate enough to have a beach cabana, so we go to the beach cabana. Um, my wife loves the beach. I like the pool. So that, that's, uh, so she'll go to the beach. I'll join her on the sand and then I'll go to the pool a little bit. So that's, that's the way I distress. Got it. Sounds great. So now we are, we're coming close to the end here. So we have more of a lighter personal question set now. Um, I have a different question. When you have a last minute guest, what is your go-to meal? Well, anything that my daughter has in one of her four cookbooks. My daughter has published four cookbooks. Amazing. Okay. And so any of the dishes that she has has in one of her four cookbooks, that's the, that's the perfect meal. So we are coming around to our last two questions of this show. I have, what do you love most about the key? The people. What? Biscayne is a wonderful place to live. It is a wonderful place to raise a family. It is a wonderful place to play. We, we live, we truly live in paradise. We're surrounded by nature, surrounded by state parks, surrounded by a county park, surrounded by the bay, by the ocean. It is a wonderful place to live. Our neighbors are outstanding. I like Biscayne, the people of Biscayne. I like the nature of Biscayne. I just like to be here. And lastly, what is a perfect weekend for you in Biscayne? Perfect weekend for me is 
as I told you, I sort of go out walking. I'll walk from the Ocean Club where I live to um, Crandon, walk around Crandon, walk back. Usually try to take different routes. So sometimes I'll walk in through the Garden District, weaving. Other times I'll just go straight. Other times I'll come in and then walk through Harbor and, and take that, that route. So it just changed a little bit. I like to go to the gym um, and work out. I used to work out a lot harder than I do right now. I'll tell you that. Uh, so, you know, I like to lift weights. I like to do that. I like to sit and, you know, listen to music. I have outdoor speakers on my terrace. I keep it sort of low so I don't bother the neighbors. But that relaxes me a tremendous amount. And frankly, I like to read. I'm here in my home office library. I don't know if you can see over my shoulder all the books. I can. I can. But, but one of the things I do a significant amount of time is read. And it's important to read. And it's important to think. To have time to yourself to think. And, I've, and I'll tell you this, Alejandro, and I thank you for this opportunity. I have thought long and hard about whether to run for public office as mayor of Cuba State or not. I never thought I would run for public office. I spent 38 years in Tallahassee, seven years in the mayor's office in the city of Miami. But I love this community and I know I can make it better. And I'm gonna ask our neighbors for the opportunity to do so. Wonderful. Fausto, thank you so much for telling us your story, your vision behind the mayorship in the future. And I hope to see you out there waving your flag as it, as it is a rite of passage for all candidates in Kibiskane at the entrance with your banner and stuff like that, waving at passing cars. <laughs> I, I will. I will tell you that that's probably not my favorite thing, but I'll be <laughs> myself or with a group of supporters. Uh, waving and passing cards with a sign. Awesome, awesome. Fausto, thank you so much again for taking your time on the show. Thank you for the opportunity for my neighbors to get to know me a little bit better. And let me just close by saying this. Is if anybody wants to reach me, just call me. 305-905-9801. I'm available to you. Just give me a call, ask any question, and I'm, I'll be glad to respond to anything that you for those listening or watching, I'll put the number on the show notes and in the comments so you guys have it uh, available to you. Well, thanks again and have a great day. You too, Alejandro. Thank you.